Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to you as well if you are in our other venue. Um, it is a blessing to be together this morning. Do we have any fathers in the house? Any, any fathers? Happy Father's Day again to you all dads, um, as well to the dads in our, in our other venue. Um, I do want to say to fathers this morning uh, that fathers, it is a privilege to be a father. Um, I'm not speaking as a father myself. Um, I'm sort of telling you that it is a privilege to be a father. It's a privilege to be a father not because of who you are. It's a privilege to be a father not because of what you have, but because God has been gracious and He's forever gracious. I want to remind you that your child or your children are not just the result of the birds and the bees, (laughs) but they are a gift given to you by God who is the author of life. And in light of that, fathers, consider your responsibility with reverence to the giver of life. But if children are not just the result of the birds and the bees, but are a gift from God as the author of life, what does that mean about the rest of us as children? It means our value is found in Him. Our value is not found in our parents, but our value is found in God who created us and said, man, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So fathers, I wish you nothing but foot rubs and your favorite lunch this afternoon. So this morning I'd like us to consider the question, who is your father? We are given in scripture in this passage that you could only have two options. We are only given two options for all of creation. And my question this morning is, with these two options that I'm going to be giving you, who is your father? So if you turn with me, if you're not there already, to John chapter 8, and we'll start our reading from verse 37 to 47. That's John chapter 8, 37 to 47. And this is the word of the Lord. In verse 37 it reads, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, hey, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not from my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil, and you, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Verse 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? 
uh, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So Father, this morning I, I pray that it would be you who speaks to us. God, we know that if your spirit does not work, Lord, we will not understand your word. And God, we will not even be able to receive them as words from you. So God, this morning we plead that your spirit would be at work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, as I speak and as your people receive the word, God, may we receive them as words that are coming from you. God, I recognize my own shortcomings. I am a sinful man. So God, I do pray that you would speak through me and that God, I wouldn't be a hindrance to the declaration of your word. I pray, Father, that I'd only be a vessel, I'd only be a tool in your hand that, God, you are using for the furtherance of your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that you'd please just soften our hearts to receive your word with gladness and, and look to apply it in our lives. God, I do pray this, eve- this morning as well that if there is one gathered among us who, who does not know you, who even thinks they know you, but, Lord, the evidence will be that they don't, I pray this morning that you would save them. This morning, God, that you would call them to yourself. Bring them to repentance of their sin and to a faith in Christ Jesus. I pray for us believers that, God, you would correct us, rebuke us, and sanctify us this morning by the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, the first point I'd like us to consider is the failed paternity test. The failed paternity test. If you want to have a popular TV show and you want lots of drama, then you want in your TV show to ask the question, who's your daddy? You want to find people who are wondering who their real father is and just get cameras and you'll get people hooked. Think about shows like Ricky Lake or Dr. Phil or even your hit reality shows. All of them have sucked people in by people hungry for the drama of who is your daddy. Notice, every time after the paternity test results have come back, he says, your father is ad break. (laughs) Because they know you want to stay glued and come back because you want to know who is the father of the baby. Now this got me thinking. DNA testing is fairly new. So how then did they know who the father was in the 1920s? So I did a Google search. And what I saw is they said some researchers insisted that the ridges on the roof of the mouth contained patterns that were passed on from father to child. So they would take the baby, open the baby's mouth, look at the ridges on top of the mouth and see if they were the same with the child. Fathers, you can do it when you get home. Others relied on race-based pseudoscience of eugenics to create a list of physical traits like the size of your nose or the shape of your ears or the texture of your hair, which was invariably passed from generation to generation. So already you can already assume you have either your mom's ears or your dad's eyes or your grandma's nose. So in summary, they looked to see if you looked like your parents. Are there any similarities between baby and mommy or between baby and father? 
So this morning in our passage, the religious leaders go to Jesus and they say to him, hey, we are children of Abraham. And Jesus says to them, you are right. You are children of Abraham, but you are children of Abraham culturally. Meaning that they were Jews by birth, but they were not spiritually children of Abraham. They were not spiritually children of God. This morning as we sit here, I want us to know in the world that we live in, there are many who claim that they are children of God. Why? Because God created all of us. And I would say, yes, you are right. You were created by God, but we are not all children of God. So in this passage, Jesus is about to expose that, hey, religious leaders, Pharisees, you guys have actually failed the paternity test. The first evidence or the first thing they failed at was that, number one, they hated the truth. They tried, they, they tried to kill Jesus because his words had no place in them. You see, God's word to the spiritually dead remains a mystery. As the eyes of their hearts remain blind, they consider his words as foolishness. They consider the Bible as irrelevant. They consider it as dead. They consider it as insufficient because they have no faith which produces sight. They sought to kill Jesus because he opposed their worldview. They had an evil, unbelieving heart which was leading them to fall further and further away from the living God. So therefore, Jesus Christ comes up to them and he actually says to them, guys, you are not my brothers. Ultimately, he rejected them as children of God because they showed no DNA of true faith. Jesus said, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did, but you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You see, the problem here was that the religious leaders were, were contrasting themselves, they were comparing themselves with those they deemed to be heathens. They thought that because they were of the nation Israel, because they had this rich heritage, I mean, they were descendants of Abraham. Surely they were part of God's holy family. But you'll notice that Paul would refute that when Paul says, but it is not as though the word of God has failed, for they are not all Israel who are descendants from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants, but through Isaac your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. You see, you are not a child of God because you grew up in a, in a Christian household. You are not a child of God because you attend church regularly. 
You cannot inherit Christianity from your parents. You are not a child of God because you do good things. In fact, you are not a child of God because you are baptized or because you take communion. These things are only the fruit, the result of a present faith and not the cause of faith. I do these things because I am a child of God and not to become a child of God. This was the religious leader's great error. This right, this privilege, this great honor of being children of God is only given to those who did receive him, Jesus, and those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. If he gives them the right, then the opposite is also true. That those who did not receive him, those who did not believe in his name, have no right to become the children of God, for we will later see that they have their own father, who is the devil. Not only that, but I also want to comment that comparing ourselves to fellow sinners will only lead us astray in thinking that, hey, I'm better than him. It will make us think that we are holier because the standard that we are using to compare ourselves is low. The religious elite often compared themselves with those they deemed undeserving of God's grace. They compared themselves with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with those money launderers. Church, we are to compare ourselves to God. The true standard of holiness. And there you will see that there is none righteous, no, not one. Our religious deeds without faith, our cultural Christianity without faith, our charitable deeds without faith are all worthless as they are stained with sin. So Christ would say, if you were children of Abraham, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. You see, Abraham believed God's word as truth, but they hated it. Abraham obeyed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, but they weren't. Abraham abided by God's law as a true child of God, but they didn't. Spurgeon considered several ways that God's word should, be, should have a place in the believer. And I have it up on the board there. Church, the word of God ought to have an inward place. The word of God ought to have a place of high honor. The word of God ought to have a place of trust a place of rule, a place of love, and the word of God ought to have a permanent place in the hearts of believers. Might I be bold enough to ask this morning, is this true of you? Does God's word find a place in you? Do you abide in his word like a true disciple? Do you know intimately the truth that is able to set you free? 
What does your current relationship with God's word reveal about your relationship to your father? See, the truth is, if you love God, then the gospel, his word, must be music to the ears of all who believe. You must have a longing, a desire for God's word, for God's word is sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. But to those who do not believe, God's word is only a stench of death as they are perishing. See, these things were absent in the religious elite. They were Christians by title and not by practice. They were Christians by convenience and not by conviction. And that's why Jesus says, you have a father, but he is not my heavenly father. And this is the moment in any reality TV show where fists are thrown, where the paternity test is given, and the judge says, he is not your father. As Jesus tells the religious elite that your father is actually the father of lies and not my heavenly father, things get heated as they sought to kill Jesus because again, his truth had no place in their hearts. And we see my second sub-point, their actions were ungodly. In verse 41, it says, You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. You see, what Jesus is teaching us here this morning and what Jesus was teaching the religious elite was that our actions remain ungodly if our hearts have not been transformed by Jesus and his word. And Jesus is going to point out that, hey, if you are a believer, these two things are central in your life. Jesus is uppermost and his word is uppermost. But we see with the religious elite, they did not love Jesus. So our actions only expose to which family we belong. Verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, hey, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but he sent me. Can you believe they, they did not love Christ, though Christ was the image of the invisible God, he was the brightness of his glory, he was the express image of his person, and yet they despised and rejected him. They despised and rejected Jesus, who is the way, who is not just the way, but he is the only way to heaven for whosoever believes in him has life and has life eternally. And yet they hated him. He was sent by his father to bring home all the father had entrusted to him and not one sheep that has been entrusted to the good shepherd will be lost on that day and yet they still hated him. They went as far as questioning his virgin birth. They said, hey, we were not born of sexual immorality unlike you, Jesus. You see, Remember, Mary was, was pregnant before she was married to Joseph. So many questioned her purity, and in fact, some leaders called her out for sexual immorality. 
forgetting the promises that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And yet, they still hated him. Jesus' response to them was that the reason why you hate me, the reason why you do not love me is because you do not love my father. In fact, you are acting in accordance to who you really are, sons of disobedience. Not only did they not love Jesus, but they did not love his word. Verse 43 says, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. The word bear there got me thinking. No one likes to be exposed when wrong. No one loves being told, hey, you're wrong there. In fact, no one would love it if we were to hang up your dirty laundry right now and expose all your sinful acts publicly and call you out of your sin. You'd probably leave the church and hate us. Nobody loves that. In fact, we also have an account in Scripture that after Stephen had shared the gospel and the word of God was piercing the hearts of the hearers, it is recorded in Acts that when they heard these things, they were enraged. It says they grounded their teeth, or another translation says they gnashed their teeth. Why? Because they couldn't bear the word of God. Church, the number of fatherless households will continue to rise if the gospel does not penetrate the hearts of men. Abusive and absent fathers will forever be present if the gospel does not transform their hearts. Fathers, you will be worthless in the eyes of God if you do not abide by his word and train up your children in the ways of the Lord. That is God's standard. Church, you will not please God if you do not abide by his word and love his son. Men, you will follow the patterns of this age and be a serial dater, having casual sex with every woman you meet. You will impregnate many ladies and find it okay if the, the gospel does not penetrate your heart. And you are not abiding in his word. Women, you will fall to the advances of all these wicked men and you will see yourself even falling pregnant and allowing these men to convince you to abort the baby to avoid the shame and that will be okay if Jesus and his word have not penetrated and are not transforming your heart. Church, we need the gospel. We need God's word to transform our lives that we can live as God has intended us to live. But if the gospel does not transform our lives, we will live and show forth the fruit of our Father, who is not God, but the devil. Let's see more about the deceiver in my next point. 
the two fathers on show. In fact, I changed it to the two, father, the two opposing fathers or the two fathers in opposition. The first father is the devil. In verse 44, it says, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. You heard that? There is no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 45 says, But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? The first thing we see about the devil is that he's a murderer. Jesus would say, your, your hardened opposition to the truth shows your kinship to the devil, who is the father of lies. Your desire to kill me is evidence that you are controlled by the one who was a murderer from the beginning. He is only revealing what is already in your hearts, and this is that sinful nature. Remember in the garden, the devil tempted Adam and Eve to sin, and physical death was introduced through sin. Remember when he said to Eve, hey, you will not surely die. He deceived her into believing that she would be like God if she rebelled against the one true God who created her and loved her. As a result, Adam would eat of the fruit and we all would die not just physically but spiritually as they both have since died as well. Notice, as Adam sinned, an animal was slaughtered death, to provide clothes to cover themselves. Remember Cain. Cain killed his brother Abel. The murderer was at work. Do we see this today? We know that physical death is a reality for us all today. Many fear the virus because they fear death or illness leading to death. We've lost loved ones, and sadly, Father's Day is a sad, sad day for many because it reminds them of the death of their fathers. For wherefore, as one man's sin entered into the world, death came through sin. Church, the devil today makes the same offer to us this morning. He says to you, hey, you will not surely die. Instead, you can be like God. And many are going to fall to his advances and are going to rebel against the one true God, being their own gods, determining for themselves what is good and what is evil to their own detriment. And we know because of the, the presence of sin, many today are still dying physically and many are dead spiritually because of the events in the garden. Not only is the devil a murderer, but he's also the father of lies. The devil's greatest weapon is deception. He deceives not just the unrighteous, but he also deceives the righteous. 
He deludes many today with plausible arguments. Hey, it makes sense. He, he takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition and the elementary spirits of this world and not according to Christ. You see this in Philippians. Friends, again this morning, Father's Day is a sad and even an infuriating day for many, as many do not know who their fathers are because they left whilst they were still young. Father's Day is a sad and even infuriating day for many because their fathers have been abusive and it's just a constant reminder of, hey, there are better fathers out there than mine. Church, there are men who are out there who leave their children and abuse their children because they're living in accordance to the spirits of this age. These men find no satisfaction in one woman because the evil one has convinced them that, hey, there is more outside of your marriage. The evil one has deceived them into thinking, hey, one moment of pleasure is far more greater than your family. Men, the absence that I'm talking about here, fathers, the absence or abuse that I'm talking about here is not always physical. It's not just physically leaving your homes or, or beating your children to a pulp in anger, but it's also checking out emotionally or checking out with your time in pursuit of riches and in pursuit of selfish ambition. It is the words, it is also the words that you say and the things that you do not do that are your duty as a father that come across as abuse. I mean, this morning I want you to know that that is not of God. For let us consider God as our father. Verse 47 says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. If you did a simple study in John 8 or the rest of John's letter, you'll notice that when he uses the word hear, he's usually talking about to receive or to believe. So why is it that the Jews could not hear his word? It is because they were children in whom no faith was found. A.W. Pink would comment, and I also have it up on the board, it was because they had no, no ear for God. They had no heart for His word, no desire for His will. Proof positive was this, that they were dead in trespasses and sins and therefore not children of God. Unspeakably solemn is this, hearing God's word is an attitude of the heart. We speak now not on the divine side, for true it is that the Lord himself must prepare the heart and give the hearing ear. But from the human side, man is responsible to hear, for he cannot hear the still small voice of God while his ears are filled with the siren songs of the world. So then this morning my question is, who is your father? Because our heavenly father, the first thing, he is the giver of life. 
praise God that the father saw that Abraham, that Abraham, the father saw that Adam and Eve would lose their lives as it were in the garden, but he had already prepared a plan to save them through his son, Jesus Christ. He loved them and he loves you with an eternal love so great that he watched his own son suffer for your sin under his own wrathful hand to save you. Consider John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So they will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Church, be encouraged that nothing and no one can take your life prematurely, as it were, because your life is in the hands of the Father. Church, be encouraged, for even better, you can rest assured that your salvation is safe, not just in the hands of Jesus, but in the hands of your heavenly Father. In John chapter 10 again, he says, But I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who is greater than me, is greater than all. And praise God, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Amen. But church, I also want you to know that this is not just a blanket encouragement for everyone. This does not apply to every creature on the earth because in the preceding verses in John chapter 10 verse 25, Jesus says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Church, this assurance is only given to those who believe. Those who believe in Jesus Christ and His finished work on that cross. Do you believe? Not only is God the giver of life, but He is also truth. Church, I want to encourage us that God the Father is nothing like your earthly father. If you have been hurt, If you have been discouraged by your earthly father, please let that not dictate to your relationship with your heavenly father. For God is holy, meaning he can never sin against you like man does. Can I say that again? God is holy, meaning he will never sin against you like man does. So therefore you can trust in him wholeheartedly. That he will never deceive you. Instead, 
His promises are true. For He works all things out for your good and for His glory. And church, because He is true and we live in a sinful world, we need to abide in Him to remain in the truth. We need to believe Him at His word as He has kept every promise that He has made. Church, we can rest in His loving arms. We can rest in the caring arms of God, whether He spanks our bottom and chastises us in love for correction, or whether we are weak and heavy laden. We can rest in the caring arms of our good, good Father. But fathers, the perfect example is in God. If you will not walk in His truth, you cannot and will not be a godly father. The way you lead your home is a direct reflection of who your father is. If God is your father, you will be actively looking to lead and love your family in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Why? Because you have His Spirit. Because you know His truth. Because you have His grace, which is sufficient for all days. But will you fail? Yes. <laughs> you are a sinful man. But will this stop you from trying? No. Because day by day you realize that God is sanctifying you. He is making you more and more like Christ. And you also know that it's not in your own strength that you can be a good father, but it's by the strength given you by God. But I also want to encourage those fathers who are struggling to have children this morning. Fathers, know that you have a heavenly father who is the author of life. He gives life through His Son. And not just spiritual life, but He is also the author of physical life. Believe that His will is good for you and for your wife. And believe that He is sovereign and His timing is perfect. Resist the devil and the lies that is whispering in your ears that, hey, He doesn't love you. Why isn't he giving you a child? He doesn't love you. Resist those lies. Resist the lies that, hey, he's punishing you by closing your wife's womb. He is punishing you by making you infertile. Resist those lies and believe him at his word that he is sovereign and will work all things out for your good. So believe in the season of waiting and trying. It is good. For his timing is perfect. So then to close, what then are the implications? Verse 47. The reason why you do not hear them, the reason why you do not hear the words of God, the reason why you do not hear his truth, is that you are not of God. Just to close this morning, I just want to double-click on a few items here. Do not be deceived. You do not, be de you do not believe in God 
Because the, your father continues to deceive you. The reason why you have rejected God is not because of an experience you've had with church. It's not because of what a pastor did in the church. It's not because of your past. The reason why you do not believe in God is because you're a sinner and the evil one continues to deceive you. Church is a scary thought to think. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So church, we need to pray. We need to actively be praying that God would soften the hearts of our unbelieving friends, soften the hearts of our unbelieving family, soften the hearts of all those we share the gospel to, that their eyes would be opened, that they would see Christ, who is the image of God. But I also want to say, do not be deceived. I know a lot of my application was to fathers this morning. But I challenge the rest of the church that do not be deceived that you can love God and love your sin. Do not be deceived in thinking that you can love God and continue to live in your sin and you are getting away with it. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived into thinking that you can love God and cling on to this world and its desires at the same time. Do not be deceived that you can love God and hate His church. Love God and hate fellow believers who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived into thinking that you can survive by just reading one verse once a week that you can just read one verse on Instagram once a week that you can hey just listen to a podcast once a week and you can, and and you are abiding in his word do not be deceived you need to be in the book you need to be daily abiding in the book resting in his truth lest the father of lies deceives you The father of lies has deceived many into thinking that everything that God hates is actually good and must be desired. But church, this morning we are to believe that God is gracious. That God he is the good, good father to all who believe in his son. So again this morning, do you believe in Jesus? If your answer is yes, my next question to you is, not just do you believe in Jesus, but do you love Jesus? He has offered you freedom through his son by his word. Are you abiding in it? Would the paternity test show that God is your father, or will it show that the evil one is your father? So lastly... What is it that you are not entrusting to God? If God is truth and, and there is no lie in Him, then it is true that He loves you deeply. You can trust Him with anything. He will help you fathers be better to your children and to your wife. 
He will give you strength to take care of your children and raise them in a manner worthy of God. And single moms this morning, trust God as well, will give you the strength to persevere by His grace. But I also want to encourage you this morning that He will comfort you if you are mourning the loss of your father. You have not been left as an orphan. You have a good, good father that you can go to who has numbered each and every tear that has fallen from your eyes. Go to him for he offers great comfort. Not only does he give you comfort, but he will also give you peace. Not only will he give peace to those who are mourning, but he will give peace to those who are hurting. Those who are hurting and are still enraged by the absence or the abuse of your fathers tonight, this morning, I want to challenge you, take that to Jesus this morning. Ask Jesus to give you a forgiving heart as he has forgiven you. Ask him to, for, to, to, for, to give you a heart that forgives and ask him, pray and plead that he would correct your father. But fathers, if you have been found in sin this morning, or if you have failed as a father this morning, I want you to know that there's forgiveness in Jesus. This morning, please go to Jesus and plead that he will forgive you of your sins and ask him to give you the ability to fulfill your roles and responsibilities, not just as a father, but as a godly father. Lastly, to all of us here this morning, for us to live with God as our Father and to live pleasing our Father, we need to believe in Jesus and to live in obedience to His Word. Let's pray. Father, this morning I... I thank you that as we celebrate Father's Day, God, we can rejoice in the fact that indeed we have a good, good Father in you. God, thank you that you loved us so much that before we even sinned, before we were even born, God, you had a plan to send Jesus to come and die on the cross for our sins. Thank you, God, that by believing in your Son, we are then given the right to be called your very children. Co-heirs to the kingdom of God. Oh, God, thank you. We don't deserve this. God, thank you for being so gracious to us. Thank you for being so merciful to us. God, protect us from being like the religious elite in thinking that, Father, we can get away with being Christian by name and not Christian by practice. So this morning, God, I pray that you challenge our hearts. Challenge our hearts, Lord, that when we take the DNA test, you would see, the world would see that indeed we belong to Jesus. We are children of the living God. God, I do pray for fathers here this morning that God, by your grace, you'd give them wisdom. I pray, Lord, by your grace, you'd give them strength to fulfill the tasks and the duties that you have entrusted to them. Lord, help them to see 
all their children as a gift from you and not a right that they've earned. But God, I pray that they would live out their roles and responsibility out of reverence to the giver of life. But God, I also pray for those in this room who this is a very sore, sensitive subject. Because God, they are still mourning or grieving and just missing their fathers. God, I thank you that he knew we have a great comforter. I thank you that he knew we have great love and a great father that we can go to who is faithful in listening to us. Not only do you listen to us, God, in inclining your ear, but God, you care for us in a very special way. But God, I also pray for those who have just harbored a lot of animosity towards their earthly fathers. God, I pray that you'd give them peace this morning in their hearts. Lord, a peace to be able to forgive as, God, you have forgiven them. Give them peace to see, God, that you are nothing like an earthly father, for, God, you are holy and will never sin against us. So, God, we can trust you at your word. But, God, also, the parents you've given to us do not give us any value because, God, our value is found in you. For God, really, you are the author of life. So thank you for giving us life. But help us this morning as believers to live this life in honor of you. I pray, Lord, if there's one who isn't a believer this morning, that God, the seed of your gospel would germinate into gospel fruit. That, Lord, we would see hearts that are transformed, hearts that are changed, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. May we see men who seek to love their children and raise their children in godly ways. And those who are waiting, God, may they wait in hope and in trust in you that, God, your timing is perfect. In Christ's name I pray, amen.